is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. I felt it fitting today to, to look at a mother in Scripture. And, and as I prayed over the last couple weeks and the last few days, as I began to prepare this, one name kept coming back to me. And it may be a name that you've never heard before. Uh, I, I presented this thought to a friend of mine uh, over the weekend, and he was clueless to this thought process. And I just surely thought that he knew it, but it kind of made me think, maybe everybody don't know this lady. Her name is Rispa. I want to read this passage of scripture. It's kind of long. I'm going to read it to you, though. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. We're going to pray that my iPad don't get overheated. Funny story. Uh, didn't dawn on me until I stepped on the platform a while ago. I did a wedding a couple years back, and I used my iPad for my notes. And halfway through the ceremony, uh, they sang a song, and my iPad got overheated and died out. I had no notes for the remainder of that wedding ceremony. That was fantastic. I almost didn't let them kiss. And uh, they said, hey, you gonna, you gonna let us kiss? I said, yeah, go ahead and do that real quick. <laughs> so, if I look like I'm clueless and don't know what I'm saying, it's probably because my iPad's gone, all right? We're gonna get through the scripture before that point gets here, though. 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. There was a famine during David's reign that lasted for three years. So David asked the Lord about it. And the Lord said, the famine has come because Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. So the king summoned the Gibeonites. They were not part of Israel, but were all uh, but were all that was left of the nation of the Amorites. The people of Israel had sworn not to kill them, but Saul, in his zeal for Israel and Judah, had tried to wipe them out. David asked them, "What can I do for you? How can I make amends so that you will be uh, you will bless the Lord's people again?" Well, money can't settle this matter between us and the family of Saul. The Gibeonites replied, "Neither can we demand the life of anyone else in Israel." What can I do then, David asked. Just tell me and I'll do it for you. And they replied, it was Saul who planned to destroy us, to keep us from having any place at all in the territory of Israel. So let seven of Saul's sons be handed over to us, and we will execute them before the Lord at Gibeon on the mountain of the Lord. All right, the king said, I'll do it. The king spared Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who was Saul's grandson, but because of the oath of David, Jonathan had sworn before the Lord, but he gave Saul's two sons, uh, Armani and Mephibosheth, uh, whose mother was Rispa, daughter of Ai. He also gave them five of, uh, sons of Saul's daughter, Mirab, the wife of Adriel, son of Barzillah, uh, from Meholah. The men of Gibeon executed them on the mountain before the Lord, so seven of them died together at the beginning of the barley harvest. Listen to this. Then Rispa, daughter of Ai, the mother of the two men, spread burlap on a rock and stayed there the entire harvest season. She prevented the scavenger birds from tearing their bodies during the day and stopped wild animals from eating them at night. When David learned what Rispa, uh, Saul's concubine, had done, he went to the people of Jabesh Gilead and he retrieved the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan. When the Philistines had killed Saul and Jonathan on Mount Gilboa, the people of Gilead, uh, Jabesh Gilead stole their bodies from the public square of Bethshan where the Philistines had hung them. 
So David obtained the bones of Saul and Jonathan as well as the bones of these men that the Gibeonites had executed. The king ordered that they bury the bones in the tomb of Kish, Saul's father, at the town of Zelah in the land of Benjamin. After that, God ended the famine in the land. He said that was a whole lot to talk about Rizpah. Well, when this text begins, Israel's in a famine. They're in a drought. They're struggling. David is the king, and he inherits this problem, and he goes before the Lord. You know, it's a shame that we have to wait for things to get really bad before we go before the Lord, but David did this. He goes before the Lord. He says, hey, I need to know, God, what's going on? Why can't? Why, why are we not seeing the blessings? Why don't we see the rain? Why are we in the famine? And he says, well, Israel is in the middle of a broken covenant. See, in Joshua chapter 9, Joshua made a covenant, and it, it was the people of, of, of the Amorites. They kind of tricked him into making this covenant, but they made a covenant with Joshua that the people of Israel would never kill off the Amorites. The Gibeonites, then, but the Amorites became the Gibeonites later, so you need to recognize those two people as being the same. This covenant says that you can live here in the land of Israel, you can live in Canaan land, you can be here as long as our people are here, we'll never harm you, we'll never kill you off. And Saul, the Bible says, in his great zeal, decided to kill some. And it broke the covenant that they had. Now Israel is in this broken covenant. And David's at his wits end. He's confused. He said, God, I need you to give me some direction. He goes to the Gibeonites and they say, we want seven of Saul's, uh, his kin, his sons, his grandsons. And we're going to hang them. Now, customary is... David died, it would have been that they should have been buried or they should have been taken down the same day. But because of covenant, their bodies would have been left to hang until the covenant was restored, and in this case, rain would have fallen. And so two of those guys were the sons of Rispa. Rispa witnessed what took place, and the Bible says that she took a sackcloth and she threw it on a rock. And she laid that cloth on, on the rock and she camped out for as long as it was going to take until God's covenant be restored. She, she watched over her boys and I can imagine, you, you just got to go with me. This is barley season, okay? This is the early harvest season. This is the beginning of March or April. This is right now, just a couple months back. And she stayed there until it rained. She had no idea. She shows up. She came prepared. That, that sackcloth was a sign of mourning. She was mourning over her boys. But she made up her mind she was not leaving. And in the night, she would be swatting off the birds. Get away from my boys. And during the day, this... I can't imagine her being no big, uh, this big busty lady. I can imagine her being a, a precious mama. And these wild animals, the coyotes, the hyenas, whatever, would show up at night. And she said, get away from my boys. And this little woman stood and fought those beasts of the night. For months, this went on. If... The scholars are correct. This took place over the course of anywhere from three to four to six months. I don't care if it was three months. I don't know of any of us that have laid a burlap cloth on a rock and camped out on a rock for three months for any reason. These boys were dead. This is just their bodies. 
it's not that she's protecting them from dying. They are dead. She's going through the, the stench of decay. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Camped out in the cliffs, smelling your boys decaying as they're hanging. The buzz of the flies. All the time. Fighting off the animals as, as the things would want to come down. The, the, the Bible's very clear. The birds would want to tear them apart and the animals would want to eat the meat. And she stays there. Fighting them off. And I, and I thought about it and I just wanted to take a minute today to celebrate all the mamas. That even though, you know, we're not perfect. Even though your kids don't have it all together. And even though there's dead situations in their life. You're willing to stay camped out and you're willing to beat off the flies. You're willing to beat off the birds. You're willing to do anything you can to protect those babies. I celebrate you, mamas. Because I know that mamas do that. When daddies let it roll off their back many times, the mamas do what Rizba has, has done and she's endured the summer heat. She said, could you imagine from May to October, the hottest months of the year, and she stood over seven, not just her two, seven decaying bodies. She's fought off the flies. She's dealt with the things that would want to attack them and, and the things that want to drive her crazy. I, I believe that probably during this quarantine, there's been some things that's been like a sorry fly that's just wanted to drive you crazy. I got a secret for that. You see me after. The things that would want to, to the emotions, the morning she back, she had to, to, if she got any sleep, she woke up and she looks up to see her sons hanging for everybody to see. Intentionally, they were killed and exposed before God as a sign that the covenant can be restored. She's fighting through all of this. And here's what God showed me about Rizpah. See, she was protecting what was already dead. Her boys died because of those that had gone before them. We have no record of these guys doing anything wrong. This is all Saul's sin. Right? This is Saul's mistake. This is his mess up. And now these boys have lost their life, and these boys have lost their life, and mama's standing fighting off the vultures because of something somebody else did that got her sons killed. And we get to you and I, and here's just a, a tidbit of a thought. I believe that if we're not careful, sin that's been a part of families for years bondages, strongholds that have fallen down through generations are waiting to attack our families. And somebody's got to be willing to camp out through thick or thin when it stinks, when it's aggravating, when the emotions are raging to fight off hell and hot water, anything that's going to come against you and stand you down in the face. Somebody's got to stand against it and say, you're not taking my family. And we, we agree on that. 
deeper, and this is where my mind kind of went. See, you and I, because of Adam, are dead, right? Without the saving grace of Jesus making us now alive in Christ, we're spiritually dead. You didn't have to mess up when you were born. Adam did it for you. You didn't have to act out in disobedience. They already accomplished that. You don't have to learn what shame feels like because that's already this thing that's on you because of something somebody before you has done. And, and here's what here's what all kind of come back to for me. See, you and I have got an opportunity for a covenant. Things can be made right. When we accept Christ, when, when Christ comes into our life and we accept the blood of Jesus washing over us, we've been studying the book of Ephesians and the Bible tells us, Paul says that there was a down payment made for your sin. And with that down payment, you might as well already have the full inheritance. Therefore, the covenant has already been made over your life. And although you're dead, although you have no right to live because of the covenant of God sending His Son Jesus to die on a cross for you and I and to resurrect, we now have a covenant over our life to make us live. Right? Somebody's got to protect the covenant. Because we're hanging, if you will. We're, we, we've been slaughtered. We have been, we're, we're dead before God. And, and here we are, waiting on the day for Christ to return, waiting on the day for the covenant to be made complete and to be made perfect so that we get to, to shed off that body. That body gets to be put in, in the ground forever to stay. And we get our glorified bodies, our bodies that God would give us where we can live in eternity with Him. At some point, those bones are going to be buried. Here's what I believe Rispa and the character of Rispa has taught me. Sure, she's a mama fighting. That her baby's lives would not have been in vain. By tradition, if the vultures had to torn their body, if the animals had to ate the skin, then... Tradition said the covenant was no good. The sacrifice was pointless. If the flies had have taken the bodies away and, and had have completely destroyed them, and, then it would have been pointless. Them dying would have had no purpose. The covenant would have still been broken. The curse would have still been on Israel. There would have still been a drought. There still would be famine. And so here she is, as much as it hurt her to stand under those boys that are hanging, she's swatting and she's killing and she's making sure that everything stays away. She's camped out laying her head on the rock at night. Here's what I believe God, God's directed me in this. There's a covenant over our life by the blood of Jesus. And you and I better camp out on a rock to protect the covenant. The covenant represents the presence of God in your life. And there are so many things waiting to destroy the presence of God in our life. If the enemy could get a piece of doubt, if the enemy could, could, could just tear off a piece of us, 
We, we get angry, we get frustrated, and, and the bitterness gets seeded down in us. And now we, we've lost a piece of ourselves to the enemy. Christmas said, nah, you better get away from here. The thing that would want to come and devour us, the, the weakness of our flesh, the thing that keeps you up at night, that drives you crazy. Rispa said, I ain't leaving this rock until my boys are taken down to the covenant's been laid whole. Somebody better camp out and somebody better realize you got to protect the covenant that's on your life. Otherwise, the death was pointless. See, what happened is Rispa camps out for months and eventually the king paid attention. She, she eventually got, she didn't leave that rock. She didn't go begging for attention. She didn't have to flaunt anything before God. She was faithful. She said, I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here. And I'm going to be faithful. And eventually her faithfulness got the attention of the king. And the king said, David said, we got to fix this. Rispa, look at Rispa. Rispa has done this. I got to get those bones. They deserve a proper burial. It was because of Rispa's attention to detail, it was because of her faithfulness, that David goes and gets the bones of Saul and Jonathan and these seven other boys, and they get buried as a family. The Bible says that when he retrieved those bones, he put those bones in the ground where they belonged, the famine ended. On the day that she had the attention of the king, the day that the faithfulness had reached fulfillment, she had his attention. And the covenant was complete. Dead things no longer were dead. Those bones were put away. But the covenant was made whole. And Rispa tells me that you and I can be faithful. And when whatever comes against you, your family, your kids, your bank account. You camp out and you be faithful. Because if you're under the covenant of God, if you've accepted His life as your own, He's going to be faithful. And you better camp out and whatever it takes to protect the covenant, the presence of God on your life. I can't imagine what she sacrificed. Months, time has gone by. Can you imagine what she looked like? Can you imagine what she smelled like? She said, I'm not leaving until this covenant's made whole. We've got to get to a place where we don't care. What it looks like, what it sounds like, what it smells like, what it takes, how much sleep is lost, the sacrifice that's made to protect the presence of God in our life. Rispa is so encouraging to me. We don't have enough to be on Rispa. This little tidbit in 2 Samuel chapter 21 is all we know about Rispa's personality. But I don't need a whole lot more about Rispa. 
I'd love to know more. But I know that Rizba has taught me that whatever the cost, I better protect the presence of God in my life. Whatever it takes, whatever has to be put aside, whatever has to be done away with. Whatever time I've got to invest in prayer, whatever time I've got to invest in the Word of God, I better do whatever it takes to protect the covenant, to protect the presence. I don't know about you, but I want the king's attention. And I believe that through our faithfulness, we get the king's attention. I, I, I think this is Mitchell 101. There were tests and trials that Rispa had intentionally to test to see what it was. How faith, how far are you willing to go? I believe there were dark, there were, there were really dark nights on that hillside when she was camped out in the rocks. When some beasts approached her that were multiple times her size, that she looked like she was standing against a giant. And she stood there faithful. I don't know how she did it. I don't know if she was so full of God that she looked them in the eyes and they turned around and walked away. I don't know if she showed up with her weapon of choice so she could slay them as they walked up. I don't know what she did. But all I know is, is that she did whatever it took to protect the covenant of God. The results were rain. The results were rain. So mamas, thank you for being riskless. Don't stop. I get to stand before you and before God and minister the gospel and tell people about Rispa because a Rispa camped out and said, you ain't taking my boy. Your products are Rispa. Somebody said, no, you ain't touching my son. He might be dead. There might be things that ain't right in his life. But you don't know what his destiny looks like. You ain't touching it. Daddies, some of you need to be whispers over our families. We've got to be a whisper over our own soul. We've got to protect you. Nobody else is going to. It's up to you. Father, I love you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that your word is intriguing, that it's a lie, Father. That every time we open up 
the Word of God and we can have You speak directly into our soul, Father, that we can dig and, and, and find something that happened so long ago that's such a far out story for our culture and our life, Father, but it, it applies to our life directly. God, there's things that are attacking our families. The Bible calls them fiery darts from the enemy. God, we recognize there's things attacking that we come against that want our kids, that want our grandkids, Father, that want our extended family, our nieces, our nephews, aunts and uncles, mamas and daddies, grandmas and grandpas. Father, but you've created a covenant with us. And if, as long as we've accepted you into our life, that covenant exists. And there's a day coming when we're put in our proper place that covenant's fulfilled. God, I pray today if there's anybody that's watching online, that's listening to this service, that's here in their cars today, Father, anybody in this community that don't know you today, that they're clueless to what I'm talking about, about a covenant with you. God, it's just a fancy way of saying you saved my soul from hell. I thank you for that. God, and I pray that if there's anybody here today, anybody watching online, anybody that listens later, God, that don't know you, God, I pray that you're moving in their heart right now. If you don't know Jesus today and you don't have a relationship with him. I want to pray a prayer with you. I want to ask that you just would repeat the prayer. you got to believe it. The Bible says that you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ is Lord and that he raised from the dead. And you'll be saved. Would you pray this prayer with me? God, I recognize I'm a sinner. I need you as my Savior. My life is messed up. I need you to put me together. I recognize today you gave your life for mine. And now I give mine to you. Come into my life. Change me. Make me new from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Family, I want to encourage you today. Be a rispa. Protect the covenant of God on your life. Protect the presence of God. Whatever it takes, whatever it means, whatever it smells like, whatever it looks like, ever how you look when you come out of it, all that matters is that the, the presence is protected.